Welcome to the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast. Thomas Miller here, Robert Glasscock. I have to say thank you so much for your interest in the Horary Course. The response has been phenomenal. You guys, I know, already are excited and you have in your hands a tool that is evergreen. It will last you a lifetime. You can draw on that information to take your astrology knowledge basically to the level of the man who delivered it to you, which is pretty impressive. So we hope that you're enjoying it. The course is obviously available, and the all the information on how to get there will be in today's show notes, but it's also on the funastrology.com website. All right, we're going to shift gears and go back to our series that we've been talking about along here with the sun when it conjoins a certain planet and then some other elements about that if you have an aspect with the sun. And in today, we're going to pick apart Mars. We're going to talk about Mars, conjoin the sun, and then some other aspects around that. So, Robert, I have a chart up that happens to be my own, which also will be in the show notes for people to download if they wish, because my sun is conjoined by Mars on the same degree. So why don't we just start with that? Yes, it is conjunct, and it's not only that, your Sun and Neptune and Mars are conjunct. So the Neptune adds a coloration that a normal conjunction with the Sun and Mars would not have. But basically, the whole theory behind this is that when a planet conjuncts another Sun, particularly since it's the life force, if it is conjunct another one of the planets, like in your case, Mars, which is what we're talking about right now, then that other planet's archetype, in this case Mars, is meant to be integrated completely into the sun sign, into the ego, the life force, the being. So the idea is that your whole life is going to be sun conjunct Mars in Scorpio, a sign of deep transformation you are born one thing and you become another thing through the life force your son in scorpio this intense curiosity you have always had now we have to take neptune into account it's between mars and and the sun but this intense curiosity about life at its deeper levels what does religion mean what does spirituality mean what is god what is love what is sex what are children these are all the backbones of life really and it's in your fifth house so the the theory again is with the sun conjunct any other planet archetype you look and study that archetype itself in this case mars it is action. It is in the fifth house. You should have children. You should have literal children as well as creative and figurative children. They should be spiritual. They should be uh, philosophical, even, if you will, with the Neptune, meant to be self-employed with all this accent on the fifth house. So then you also want to look, what house does the planet that is conjunct the sun or house is? What does that planet rule? Your chart, it rules your 11th house and it rules your sixth house. 11th of hopes and dreams and ambitions, according to all the old books, and also the house of work and health, spiritual health, psychological health, physiological health. So those are all wrapped up in just that sun conjunct Mars. If it were in a hard aspect, the sun square Mars, or the sun maybe opposite Mars, or the sun in conjunct Mars, then you have 
stress between the two energies that are symbolized by the planets so that Mars square the sun can be a person who, if they're unconscious, will act in their own worst interests unconsciously. Their actions will be in conflict with their desires, their real will, their real desires. So, And that tension can then lead to a lifetime of arguing, hostility, conflicts, up to things including violence even sometimes with Mars. But it's basically that the archetypes are in conflict with each other. If you had, for example, um, your sun in Scorpio square, Mars in Leo, then acting prideful, Mars in Leo, pride would get the best of you over and over and over. And generally with Mars square the sun, as opposed to conjoin it, the square indicates ego problems and a need to prove oneself. Strong egos don't need to prove anything. They know what they are. They know what they can do. They know they do it well, and that's it. They don't have to amass a pile of luxury cars and jewelry to let everybody know that they're successful. But Sun Square Mars are in stress may have those needs. You have these people that are pretentious and kind of show-offy and want to impress everybody. That's not you. But that is that sun square Mars. So you're paying attention to the energy relationships between any pair of planets, like this case, the sun and Mars. Uh, and look at the the nature of the aspect between the two planets. Is it an easy aspect, a trine, a sextile? Then those energies operate harmoniously with each other. If it's a stress aspect, then they operate in conflict. And the, another really important point here, hard aspects are not bad. They are meant to frustrate you, to make you act creatively, constructively. That's the point of it. Nobody does anything to change anything unless they hurt enough, unless they're frustrated enough. And in writing, you learn drama is conflict. You need conflict in life. We all do. And if we don't get enough of it, we'll create it unconsciously because it's meant to motivate us to grow to change, to look deeper, to make revisions, to make refinements, to improve ourselves and improve the lives of others along with it. That's the real intention of it. So I don't know if this is answering the question about how this works, but in a nutshell, that's it. You want to look at the two planets and see if they're in conjunction, then you're, you're going to try and incorporate that planet into the life force itself. So it will be very strong in somebody like you. And then with that Neptune added, in your case, you've got that whole spiritual dimension of it, too. And then if there's a stress aspect, which can be any hard aspect, then the person needs to be aware of how they may be acting in conflict with their own best interests. And also in a conflicting Mars aspect of the sun, how they can become aware of how that Mars is seen by other people. And then if they need to, tone it down or build it up if it's a weak Mars. So you begin to get a lot of clues into your own psychological makeup by looking at these things and thinking about them and thinking about the house rulerships that are indicated by them as well. You know, when you have Mars and the Sun together, that's a lot of fire energy. I mean, that is a bunch of hot fire right there, no matter what sign it's in. Have you noticed in doing readings around that that people might have issues controlling that fire? And I'm thinking anything from 
being just overly aggressive, being too big, sometimes people say, or being too strong in the room, you know, or too strong in their relationship, or even anger issues. Do those things come up from this? They can. In the conjunction with the Sun conjunct Mars, what you're going to look for are stress aspects to that conjunction, because the, the stress aspects to Mars are what create problems. So uh, that's, on the other hand, if you you have a square, let's say, or an opposition from the sun to Mars, then absolutely, you, astrology is saying, look at how Mars works. In your case, Mars is fire. It's way out of place in a water sign. It's steam. And not only is it steam, but it's Scorpio steam, which means it's repressed and held in because you don't like to expose yourself and your feelings to other people by nature. Now, you've learned to because of metaphysics and spirituality, really. But because Mars is in an emotional, totally irrational water sign, water signs have nothing to do with reason or logic or anything else. They're all about feelings, gut-level feelings. And those you have in abundance. Fortunately, you have Neptune with that, which gives, which spiritualizes this whole uh, Mars and Scorpio feeling. But with you have to look elsewhere in this chart for logic and rationality. And, and boy, do you have it with Mercury and Jupiter and such. But taken alone, Mars will act irrationally in Scorpio. So you will harbor feelings, for especially feelings of dissatisfaction and feelings of wanting to move on. Those things you will harbor for a long time because they do threaten the status quo, not only in your life, but everybody else's. Now, if you've got a wife and children, that's a difficult thing. If you're alone, it's a much easier combination to work with because you aren't on a day-to-day -day level of having to play a parent and a husband which is very demanding, as, as you know. So this way, um, it's a freer aspect, if you're single, to avoid a lot of drama romantically and with children and with partners. Does that make any sense? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a two-star general in that department. So, yeah, it was a little difficult. And, uh, you know, one of the things I, I've laughed about, as you mentioned, for those of you who might be Scorpios, who and Robert was talking about steam, I have said that Scorpio is not a water sign. It's ruled by Mars in old astrology. It's a fire sign. <laughs> Come on. And everybody jokingly says, yeah, it's the fieriest water sign there is in the chart. And I think, and then when you throw the sun and Mars on top of that, it's like, yeah, I've had to tone it down in my past. <laughs> I try to, now I try to control it in the present, but uh, boy, in the past, I wish I had known this when my I love, testosterone I love levels were higher. <laughs> yeah, I love Scorpios. The ones that really, so many of them appear to be really pretty emotionally controlled. In other words, unemotional. Nothing phases them. They're very strong. They're indomitable. And they are. They're very resourceful. But they can appear to be very cold and rational sometimes. I mean, they're anything but. But they bury that because they don't want and they don't want the world <laughs> to know necessarily how they really feel about things because they have very strong feelings about things. You've got actually a very good chart for Scorpio. 
you know, the Scorpio sextiles your Saturn in Capricorn and also sextiles your Pluto in Virgo. So that's, it's a very, especially now that you have truly, and years ago, found your real path, you know, which is this one, which is to disseminate this kind of information uh, to the people and do it personally and, and through your own work, as well as bringing together other astrologers and metaphysicians under your umbrella, so to speak. Yeah, I would say it's a very difficult chart to have been unconscious with, but it's a pretty good chart <laughs> to be conscious with. The chart is in the show notes, too, if you guys would like to have a look at it. All right, so other characteristics of Mars. We're talking about getting projects off the ground, getting things started. If you have a good Sun-Mars connection somewhere, like you mentioned, maybe a sextile, a trine, even an opposition. Are you a good self-starter or project starter or spark plug to get things going? Well, it depends a lot on the sign that's involved because Mars acts acts like. In other words, I think of the planets as energies and the signs as scripts. Mars is about initiative, ambition, drive, persistence, action. It's also on the negative side about destruction and anger and violence and rage and so on. <clears throat> so that's the negative side. It operates completely different when it's in a sign like Gemini or when it's in a sign like Scorpio, you see. So um, you, you can't just make generalizations too much about Mars itself beyond the type of energy that it is. So when all the energies for drive and ambition and action and persistence and so on, all those Mars energies are in Scorpio, they will act like a Scorpio. If they are in Libra, they will act completely different. I happen to have Mars and Libra, and it was true, I think, when I was younger. One of the first things I learned in the book, Mars and Libra likes to please other people. It's sociable. It's outgoing. It likes to go along with other people. So you'd better be very discriminating in your choice of friends and associates because it, with Mars and Libra, you could find yourself going along with a group to get you into criminal trouble if you're not careful. <laughs> so it's that idea that the energies are acting out scripts that are, are functions that that are suggested by the signs and the function of, of Scorpio, which is you, is to transform your life. Well, that implies you're going to start out with a certain amount of your life, maybe half of it, going one way and then a complete transformation will occur. And usually it does, believe it or not, accompany either a divorce or a loss in relationships. And the person's life is transformed at some point and then becomes either revitalized for the good or if they're one of these kinds that can't let go of the past and they mope and mourn and they just get locked into this sense of loss and sorrow, then it can spiral downward. That's certainly not the case with you. Let's. Uh, we've talked about Mars in air and in water. Let's don't leave our Earth friends out. What about it in Capricorn or Virgo or Taurus? Or you might just hit all three real quick, or however you want to do it there. But let's well, represent Earth yeah. too. Yeah, you know, you start with Mars exalted in Capricorn, so it's an interesting combination of action, Mars and Earth, matter, material. So Mars in Capricorn does tend to want to be respected in life for its accomplishments, its professional its achievements and so on generally it will tend to indicate success in life sometimes later rather than earlier because mars and capricorn does have to grow up but nonetheless the earth signs with mars in them are typical mars and taurus is the builder the architect 
All right, that's a metaphor for something. Mars in Taurus likes to accrue and assimilate stability. Well, stability means emotional stability in relationships and financial stability at the bank. Those are, and then third, spiritual stability. <laughs> that's the, the depth of, of Scorpio. So, so that's, uh, if you take into account the sign that, that Mars is in, then that will tell you how Mars is trying to behave in life and the kinds of functions that Mars is trying to accomplish in life. And in your case, it's very much tied in with this metaphysical creativity of yours. Showing people how to transform their lives is basically what you're about with that Mars-Neptune sun. You know, there is that shadow side that you really can't ignore, that side of war and conflict. And I've always thought that when you kind of run out of gas, is the way I put it, like when you're, you can't find the answers where the sign is originally, or the planet in this case, that you look at the other side of the chart. What is the opposite of Mars where we could find some peace and harmony from that war and conflict side? Would it be Venus and Libra? Or how do we paint the balance picture to Mars's conflict? Well, if you're looking at the shadow side in terms of the opposite sign that Mars is in, and that's a really valid exercise to do, you have Mars in Scorpio, water sign at birth. The And, and what will happen uh, in relationships, people, including your ex-wives and, and your children as well, will feel that part of you is never available to be touched or loved. <laughs> You want to say that again? <laughs> oh, I don't think so. <laughs> That's my equivalent of ding, 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 ding. <laughs> but and this is one of the this is one of the keys, though. Then you then you think, well, what does that have to do? Well, the opposite, the shadow side of Mars and Scorpio, would be Mars and Taurus. So one of the things that you would concentrate on to um, substitute for how you say emotional availability is to try and be a good provider to give them the the your presence is you're a wonderful loving guy when you're there but also to give them a sense of uh, financial stability and security and if you don't feel like you can do that then you want out <laughs> so, sorry <laughs> but it's it's that the shadow side is to be a good provider and look at what i've given them look at the and this is what a lot of people do men especially they'll provide a great house and a great car and great schools and all of that, but they're not necessarily emotionally available to people. So one of the things, so what you've learned to do, I think, Thomas, is to really honor your Mars and Scorpio. You're not concerned really about uh, material success, although you've certainly got a lot of it. But that's not the motive for you. That's incidental. If it comes, it comes. Your real motive is to not only change yourself, which you've done with that Pluto sextile, the Scorpio plan, but you also want to show other people how it's done. So you've collected a lot of um, friends, really colleagues in these fields, self-help fields, 
uh, which you have absorbed a lot of their wisdom. You're translating that, transmitting that to other people. Uh, and that's the the mission of your life is to bring this side of life and the different disciplines and writings and teachers and so on together in a way that's cohesive and says, look, people, these things are available out there. If you just take a little time and put forth a little effort to look at them and incorporate them into how you're thinking about going forward with your life. You know, if people are feeling that tension around their own Mars, wherever it is, I've found for me what has worked really well is a mantra that I use around my nodes, actually, is make love, not war. And there's your Venus Libra offset to that Mars and Aries. So I and hope that, that helps. that's also your fifth house Mars, Neptune, Sun, perfectly expressed. Make love. Not war. war. And you know, that old cliche is so true. People who are fighting against things always lose. Always. May take a long time, but they lose because the impetus behind the fighting against is fear. So fighting against something validates the fear not the achievement or the resolution. It validates the fear. If you were truly on top of the situation, there's no need for war. Fighting for something is just as valid as fighting against something. And that's the trick, is to learn to fight for. <clears throat> but what we see now, you know, in, in politics especially, is a lot, a lot of fighting against things, but nothing is solving anything. Nothing is getting solved because everybody's fighting. So I love your... Very much a fifth house phrase, Thomas. Fight, fight. What, what would you? Oh, uh, love, make not love, war. make not, love. Not I'll war. tell yeah. you the perfect analogy of this, and this isn't going to be an exact quote, so don't quote me on this. But it's it captures the nature of it. Is I think somebody was said to have approached Mother Teresa and said, "Why have you never attended an anti-war rally?" And she said, "I would never attend any anti-rally anything." She said, now you hold a peace rally and I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. There's your point, right? That's, that's exactly it. it. Yeah. But it's it, but it's based simply on metaphysical energies. When you understand them, fighting against, think about it. When you're fighting against something, the reason you're fighting against it is because you're afraid of it. You're afraid it's evil. You're afraid it's going to take over the world or take over your children or you're afraid of something. Well, identify what you're afraid of and then fight for the opposite as opposed to fighting against the thing you hate. Because when you fight something that you hate, you're identified with it. You may as well be married to it. That's it's when you can absolutely get away from it and divorce it and look at it perspectively with a higher perspective. You realize you don't have to fight. It doesn't have any strength over you. It doesn't have any power over you. There's no point in fighting against anything. Fight for what you want, like Mother Teresa. Fight for peace. Well, I found Mars to be so strong obviously, where it is in my, my life. But everybody has a Mars, and yeah. it shows up somewhere, and wherever it is in your chart is an area that at some point in your life, if you're exposed to the shadow side of this archetype, that you have felt this internal conflict, and sometimes it's spilled into external conflict. And everybody that I've talked to, when, we, when Mars comes up strong, is some kind of similar conversation. And I think the big thing to keep in mind here is exactly what we're talking about. This is the key of it, Robert. We really, we landed here and, and hit on it, 
is that the opposite side of that Mars archetype, when you know that you're struggling and wrestling with the shadow, is to go jump over in Libra as fast as you can and make love, not war, and go to the peace side or the balance side or the Taurus side. As a Taurus is a really good side of this as well. But the Venus application offsets that Mars. I, I love that. Thank you so much. This is great. And I appreciate your information and your wisdom on this. Thank you guys so much for listening. The Horary course is open and is available at the funastrology.com website under the courses tab if you want. But there's also a section there that makes it very obvious where you can get it. And the show notes is the rest of the information that you need about our podcast, including the chart that we talked about today. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time on Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast with Robert Glasscock.